Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Stick Together is recorded on the unceded lands of the Rwandri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Aboriginal elders, past, present and emerging, and stand in solidarity with those resisting the ongoing colonial project of Settler Australia. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Together is made in the Melbourne studios of 3CR Radical Community Radio and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. The program is made possible by the generous financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we thank them for their ongoing support of the program. Stick Together is the only national program dedicated to union news, workers' stories and social justice. My name is Jackson McInerney and thanks once again for tuning into the program. Today on Stick Together, we will be discussing the recently ratified Victorian Government Schools Agreement, which was approved by Australian Education Union members in regional votes over the past few weeks. Overall, 61% of delegates, each representing 20 members, voted to endorse the in-principle agreement, while 39% voted to reject the agreement. The agreement has been hotly contested within the union. After two difficult years of pandemic education and national shortage of teachers, and with Victorian teachers remaining the lowest paid in the country. We will speak with experienced teacher, feminist and socialist Mary Merkinick, and she's here to discuss the now-concluded process of the new Victorian Government Schools Agreement, which will replace that of 2017. Thank you very much for coming on to Stick Together, Mary. Uh, thank you for inviting me. On Monday it was announced that the VGSA in principle agreement had been ratified by AEU members with a 61 to 39 split in voting yes and no with the yeses having it. Um, I've been working in the education sector for six years now as a technical specialist and education support worker and you know becoming more involved in my AEU branch this particular vote uh, was quite hotly contested at our branch and, and in our region. I think it's clear that some rank-and-file teachers were very disappointed with the in-principle agreement and were a bit confused uh, that the union was uh, celebrating it as a win. So you were formerly on the AU State Council. You've been involved in this union's politics for some time. Mary, why do you think the union encouraged its members to vote yes on this agreement? Uh, Okay, Uh, so, and and just one point, so this process is not completely... Uh, concluded. Mm -hmm. The next stage is that all teachers, all education support workers now get to vote on this and so it is quite possible, although probably unlikely, um, that there could still be uh, a no vote and it it isn't uh, passed. But we'll have to wait and see what happens there. In terms of your question, why were the union officials pushing this as a great win? they wanted to get this through as quickly as possible and um, they, they also didn't want to have to resort to in, uh, industrial action including stop works or um, rallies, um, mass meetings mm. and so forth because that would probably be an embarrassment to the ALP especially in an election year and just before a federal election 
they perhaps they they're afraid that um, the Liberals might use it against the ALP government, um, and I I think that basically they don't believe they could do any better, but they really only used their weakest mm. tools to try and get any kind of result anyway. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting what you say there about it going to a school-wide vote. So that includes non-union members have to vote to, to ratify uh, this now in-principle agreement. So there is an opportunity, I suppose, to organise there. But do you feel like there was a, a massive missed opportunity you know, to ask for more in this agreement, given the current historical moment, like after two years of school closures, the public are like highly cognizant of the key role schools play in their lives. So surely the threat to withdraw that labor has never been more impressive. You know, have, uh, yeah. there's, you know, there's also this mass teacher shortage. It just feels like there's all these, do you think if there was a, you know, a coalition government already in power rather than the threat of one that the union may have shown a bit more fight? Uh, possibly. Uh, we may have had one or two days of stop work, but uh, the record of, of this union leadership is not a, a very militant one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they usually just want to get deals done quickly, um, and if they think there's a few a few things in an agreement that will appeal to people, that's often enough for them. Um, so there's been disagreements before, but I think the vote this time, like, you know, roughly 40 60%, is quite significant, that 40% of AU members voted no. Uh, I don't think we've had an, a no vote like this before at, uh, of that measure. So uh, that's quite significant. And I attended several of the ratification meetings uh, and a lot of people would get up and speak against it and, and uh, demonstrate by what they were saying that they really understood the, the weaknesses in the agreement uh, very well and that's why they were speaking against it. And it wasn't necessarily that. It was just some people like... Um, you know, socialists or militant feminists or or uh, people that the union officials might describe as lefty ratbags who were opposed to it, but there was broad opposition, as we can see by the final vote of 40%. Mm. Yeah, I, th I want to drill down a little into those numbers across the regions with you, but let's talk a little bit about the agreement and why there was, you know, such resistance from, as you say, you know, like um, not militant activists but you know kind of everyday rank and file maybe not so active teachers one of the cornerstones of the agreement and it's something that comes up year after year in education is workload you know I, I did some quick calculations on the recent survey that said the average teacher works in excess of 15 hours unpaid work a week across the school year even removing holidays that equates to an extra 19 weeks of full-time labor that an average teacher is working uh, in a calendar year so one of the cornerstones of the agreement you know, celebrated by the union was a 1.5 hour reduction in face-to-face -face learning but this wasn't actually written into the agreement proper but rather in a separate deed set to expire in 2027. Could you talk a little bit about why that happened and what it means for future negotiations? Yeah sure. Um, so the Labor government or the state Labor government has been um, trying to reduce its costs because, you know, after the pa pandemic, like all of the governments, um, its budget will be under severe stress. 
Um, and so it's had a cap on wages of around 2% originally. Uh, and also the workload issue, of course, costs money because they would have to employ more teachers to be able to implement this cut in hours. So to put it into a, a deed rather than into the agreement is something that most union leaderships fight vigorously against because it takes the control away from, from unions. Because what happens is um, if there's a breach in a, an EBA which are covered by Fair Work Australia, Fair Work Australia deals with it immediately. If it's in a deed or some other kind of accompanying document, that means the union would have to go take uh, the government to court. That can take up to two years. The government would probably have... Uh, sorry, the union would probably have to fork out money for it. And, of course, there's no guarantee that, uh, that the result will, will be in our favour. In fact, there's been many uh, court cases where workers have lost out. I think there was one recently with Uber where Uber won and, and the workers lost out. Uh, now, the union officials have argued, oh, but the government has given a commitment that they will stick to this, uh, which is all well and good, but as one person sort of quipped to me the other day, oh, we, we trust politicians' promises now, do we? Mm. Um, but apart from, from that kind of comment, um, if you look at it seriously, you know, in three and a half years' time or whenever this, um, disagreement might expire then uh, or even beforehand if, if there's a breach it could be because the government's budget has blown out so much which is quite likely the way things are going at the moment that they would say oh look we're really sorry we intended to do this but we can't because the budget is just has just blown out too much um, another scenario could be that we get a state liberal government into power and who knows if they will stick to this kind of a, a, a deed document. So it's uncertain. Um, I'm not saying that uh, that they won't stick to, to their commitments, but it's certainly not um, written in concrete the way it would be if it was in an EBA. And you have to ask, why isn't it in the EBA? Mm. Um, there was another... Even the way sorry. it's rolled out... Mary, you know, that it's not, an, yeah. it doesn't happen immediately. You know, you spoke mm. at the start of this interview about the union's, um, you know, desperation to get this agreement finalised quickly, but these negotiations have dragged on, you know, f for more than a year already, and none of the gains, you know, the small gains uh, for teachers particularly that are included in this agreement will happen uh, with back pay, you know, you know, going yeah. back to when the other agreement expired. So there's just lots of ways in which, it, you know, it doesn't, it, they don't feel like firm wins, they feel like soft wins, you know, much akin to the the PPDs that you know the four PPDs yeah. that were promised yeah. uh, in the yeah. previous agreement, which have now been yeah. rescinded, and you know I think that program perhaps that you know had some issues in certainly in the way it was managed within schools. Um, but yeah, you know, I think there's just lots of things in this agreement. Another is this promise for in lieu days associated with camp, which even though it's completely yeah. non-funded within yeah. the agreement, it also seems yeah. highly untenable from a management yeah. perspective to to guarantee. So. I mean, yep. to talk about some of the strengths, you know, not to not poo-poo <laughs> the entire thing, could you talk a bit about the wage increases guaranteed for education support workers um, and what that means? Well, uh, so what's going to happen is education support workers um, will now, their, their ranges are reduced to two levels. And so for current ES staff who are at range one to three to one to five, they will automatically 
move into range two, which means they'll get a pay increase. Um, and also the possibility that they could progress to range 2.8. I'm, I'm not totally um, au fait with, with all the ES ranges, but that's how I understand it. Um, new ES, however, will have to request a review after two years to be able to move up. Um, so again, this is a, a little bit uncertain. And the way it usually works in schools is a school gets an SRP or a student resource package, which is just a fancy name for the budget, the school's budget. Um, and of course, the biggest and most important component of that will be teachers' wages. So after teachers have been um, paid, whatever is left over, then the administration of the school will use to determine how many ES staff they can afford. And so, of course, the lower the ES staff wages are, the better for the administration. So in some schools where you might get administration that is not so nice or even bullies, it might be really hard for individual ES staff to ask for these range reviews. Mm. Um, and a lot of ES staff work at, at or, or do the tasks that are really above their range mm. because they like to be challenged. They like to do extra things apart from what they do, but they're not getting paid for all the work that they do. Um, they don't even have a paid lunch break, which is really disgusting. So, uh, yeah, not being an ES person, I'm not sure if um, I understand all the in and ins and outs, but I certainly um, have reservations that this is as good as the officials are painting it. And just incidentally, they at a lot of the ratification meetings that I went to, they were using it as a guilt trip um, against teachers. Mm. So they were saying to teachers... Um, if you don't want to vote for this because you think your pay rise in this or your other um, gains, so-called gains, are not good enough, then think about the ES staff and how they're going to get these these benefits and don't deny them this. So it's, you know, pitting one group of workers against another, which I think is really despicable for union officials to, to use those kinds of tactics. To do, to, I agree. To you know, saying that, you know, you can't get a fair deal if your colleague does, you know, or the only one of you can get a fair deal and, you know, putting that pressure back on the workers, it is, um, you know, really unpleasant and just, you know, a long way from so solidarity, as you say. A system based on profits, inequality and oppression cannot deliver a society that works for ordinary people. Capitalism has to go. During this global pandemic, millions of lives have been sacrificed by the let it rip strategy all for the sake of the capitalist economy. The far right is on the offensive, in parliament and on the streets, and all the while, our planet continues to burn. Now, more than ever, we need revolution. We need socialism. This April, the Marxism 2022 conference will bring together revolutionaries and radicals from across the globe to address the pressing need to fight the right and rebuild the left. Talks, discussions, film screenings and interviews will cover the history of working-class struggle and burning questions for socialists today. Get your ticket to the biggest left-wing conference in Australia at marxismconference.org. We have a world to win. Marxism 2022 is a 3CR supporter.
The current world in which the higher education sector operates is characterized by profit and power. And as universities are further incorporated into global neoliberalism, these ideas of the public good face the most serious threat that they have ever faced. COVID pandemic, besides highlighting all of the other fissures in society, has also really highlighted the terrible inequalities that have long existed within the sector. The precarity, the overwork, declining mental health caused by intensifying privatization and the privileging of profits at all costs, and students who should be our co-learners in this process face mounting debt. If this pandemic has done nothing else, it has shown us that this system in its current iteration is unsustainable. We have to organize and fight against it. There is no other way. There is no alternative to quote somebody who shall remain nameless. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. You're listening to Stick Together, a national union news and workers' stories program broadcast via the Community Radio Network. I'm Jackson McInerney, and it's a pleasure now to be joined by Mary Merkinick, a teacher of 30 years, committed feminist and socialist, contributor to Green Left Weekly, and a former member of the AEU State Council. It's really interesting thinking about schools' budgets. You know, it's a, it's a popular election announcement to announce funding into schools, you know, be it... You know, the federal government loves to fund chaplaincy programs and mental health programs. You know, it's all well and good, but what comes up time and time again is the amount of time teachers have to prepare for class, you know, the, the class sizes. And, you know, we always hear there's not enough money, but then somehow the state government can find $4 billion for more police and almost $2 billion for more prisons. So it's also a matter of priorities. Um, I want to talk a little bit in a moment about your experience can, at schools at the moment. But I just wanted to ask... Can I, yeah, can I just... Can I just add something else? Um, there's also another priority, I think, which highlights um, how bad their priorities are, which is the state government is going to spend 16, 16, I'll repeat that, billion dollars on a freeway. The North East Link is going to cost the state and all taxpayers $16 billion. So when you compare that to some of the other spending on schools like you've just mentioned, or even mental health, which is this, uh, in Victoria, $3.7 billion, mm-hmm. it just highlights that, yeah, it's just really crazy. Sorry, I just wanted to make that point. Yeah, and well, another point is that, you know, we hear all the time about how despicably militant the CFMEU is, but it appears their workers are being very well paid to construct those, those freeways. So that perhaps is a, a case in point as well. I want to know, um, from your perspective, you know, as an experienced organiser, for those in schools who are still really disappointed with this agreement uh, and the weakness, I mean, it it appears to really guarantee a pay cut if we look at inflation. You know, we're supposed Mm. to be 3.5% at the moment. That doesn't take into account what's just happened to petrol prices with the war in Ukraine, you know, so quite possibly will be higher. Mm. Uh, You know, what is the best way, do you think, from now to perhaps you know, put some more pressure back on the union and get those, non, those non-union members to recognise that this is not a good deal? Well, I, I, I think you've just sort of said part of it, that we have to try and work as hard as we can to um, spread the word amongst our colleagues who are not uh, union members and who will be voting in the next round that um, 
this is not in their interest. It's not in anyone's interest, really. It's not in the interest of students either if they have teachers that are overworked. Um, so we need to say no. And while the union officials at the moment are saying this um, vote uh, is now an endorsement and all union members must go around agitating for a yes vote, I, I totally disagree. I think if something is not in the interests of members, then you have to say that. You can't just um, lie. Um, another example would be what if the vote had been about uh, not hiring gay teachers and the vote had been uh, to support not hiring gay teachers, would we then go around supporting that? Of course not. So if something is not in the interests of, of members, I think that's what we have to do. We have to fight um, to stop this as much as we can. So networking, um, reading the, the information that comes out, we have to spread the word as far as as we can. Mm. Yeah, even the wording of the recent email from Meredith Peace's office, you know, suggests that this is a done deal and there's no further deliberation. You know, the wording in that email suggests that. So it's a really good point you make that it's not completely concluded and there's still a fight to be had. I wonder, Mary, I know you're still teaching in a school in Melbourne. Could you talk a little bit about the mood and morale in your school at the moment? I know at our school it is staggering uh, to learn just how much we now rely on international workers to keep schools running. And with that removal of labour, it's very hard to staff the school um, effectively uh, with COVID so rampant in the schools as well and the amount of staff needing to take time off for that. Are you finding the same experience in your school at the moment? Yes, my principal has been uh, highlighting to all of us that uh, it's really hard to find CRT teachers and that this is the case at all, at all schools. So CRT teachers or relief teachers are just uh, teachers who are casual and who replace teachers when they're sick on the excursions, on camps, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really hard to find them because so many schools have got teachers coming down with COVID. Mm. Um, yeah. And one principal at a ratification meeting just recently said to me that he wondered where they were going to find the 2,000 teachers that they've been saying the government needs to hire to implement this so-called reduction in face-to-face -face teaching mm. because there's just not that many around. Um, so that might be another uh, thing that undermines the whole reduction in face-to-face -face teaching for, te for, for us. Mm. How is the mood of your, your comrades, your your fellow teachers and, and education support staff at your at your campus? Well, teachers are just... Everyone says, I'm tired all the time. And uh, we get work put on us constantly, extra work. For example, this afternoon at my school, we were all supposed to get together in meetings and talk about um, organising uh, observations of each other. So we're supposed to go into each other's classes to learn from each other, um, or to get feedback from teachers that come into our class. Now, I like that principle. I think that's a really good idea. But we get very little extra time to do it. In some schools, there's no extra time. In my school, if I go into someone else's class, then one of my classes will be replaced. Um, or, sorry, I'll be replaced in that class. So um, I get a bit of a freebie. But uh, <laughs> to sit down and talk to teachers and to to sort of discuss, you know, what we've seen and what we think would be good strategies, all of that is done in our own time mm. or in the time that we're supposed to use for preparation. So 
teachers are just tired. And after these these couple of years of pandemic, where we worked twice as hard um, as we normally did, you know, so the tiredness is on top of that mm. experience as well. And of course, as teachers, most of us go into the profession because we care about kids mm. and because we want to provide um, positive experiences for them. So we worked really hard during the pandemic to try and keep students engaged um, via computers, which is not so easy. Mm. We're trying to do it now when students are coming back and some students um, are still getting back into the normal rhythm of how you know um, being at school mm. is, A bit out of practice, yep. Yeah, um, and in terms of ES staff, I think they feel the same because no one in schools has really got much time. It's just there's too much to do in too little time. So the workload is really a big issue and, and uh, it has been for a while. Uh, and so we're all, if this goes through, I think a lot of AU members will probably resign because they get demoralised, they feel betrayed, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that means that uh, we have union officials who, can, who then can keep on doing what they're doing because the people that might have challenged them are the ones that have actually gone. So I would urge everyone to stay um, a union member, mm. apart from all the other reasons that people should be in a union, but also to uh, put pressure on their officials to, to fight for our interests and not to, not to give in for very little. Yeah, for the optics of a of a victory, you know, and not a victory itself. We've run out of time, Mary. Um, it's been really good to talk. Uh, thank you for your time and um, all the best with the year ahead. Great. Thank you very much, Jackson, and um, all the best to you. You've been listening to Stick Together, which is funded by the Community Broadcasting Foundation and goes to air on the Community Radio Network. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. You can't blame the youth You can't fool the youth You can't blame the youth Love today, you can't fool the youth You're teaching youths to learn in school That cow jump over You're teaching youths to learn in school That the dish run away with spoon So you can't blame the youth When they don't learn You can't fool the youth you can't blame the youth of today. You can't fool the youth. You teach the youth about Christopher Columbus, and you said he was a very great man. You teach the youth about Marco Polo, and you said he was a very great man. You teach the youth about the pirate Hawkins, and you said he was a very great man. You teach the youth about the pirate Morgan, and you said he was a very great man. So you can't blame the youth of today. You can't fool the youth. You can't blame the youth. You can't fool the youth. All these great men were doing robbing, raping, kidnapping, and killing. So called great men were doing robbing, raping, kidnapping. So you can't blame the youth. You can't fool. You can't blame the youth None at all You can't fool the youth 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.